Hi guys, I'm Dan Reed and welcome back to The Career Dad Show. How are angels made? When Bryson's mum passed away, he thought about how to communicate this with his son, so he wrote a book. Following a successful Kickstarter, How Angels Are Made was published. This isn't Bryson's job though. He runs the back office of his wife's chiropractic clinic and has been the main caregiver to his three kids during COVID. How does he find the time? By auditing his 24 hours. Welcome back to the Career Dad Show. Bryson, how are you? Excellent, man. I'm having an awesome day so far. We initially started talking because um, you reached out to just find out a little bit more about Career Dad. And I was like, this is what it is. And you were like, I've got three kids. I'm building a you know chiropractor, building that business, COVID, homeschooling, blah, blah. So it seemed to resonate with you, the idea of this, I guess, struggle between... Build, whether it be building a business or having a career that you want to develop, I guess work and families, is that something that resonated with you? Man, it is, man. That's, <laughs> I feel like this is, has, is a full-time career, really. I mean, trying yeah. to balance all the dad life. Yeah. Um, we don't get that credit a lot of times. We don't ask for it. But, man, it is mm. a job that we uh, do with a smile on our face and, you know, yeah. it's crazy. Yeah, and 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 because you're uh, are you in uh, Georgia, you Atlanta. I'm in Atlanta. I'm in yeah, Atlanta, yeah, Georgia. Yeah, yeah. Yes. yeah. So how's um, I don't know much about Atlanta, Georgia, apart from that it's usually hot. Yeah. So Atlanta's <laughs> a really really cool city. I mean, okay. um, I always tell people it's very diverse. Um, it's weird because it's diverse and segregated and all these things at the same time right, uh, okay. on different ends of Atlanta. But it's just a, a a great melting pot from people from all around the world who come to Atlanta. Um, it's, 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 um, a great place that is becoming more innovative. Um, it's starting to become one of those hubs where you're finding a lot of big businesses are there and, and people are moving here and the movie scene and Tyler Perry. And I mean, you have a lot of different things going on in Atlanta, but it's a great place to be able to raise a family and, um, have them experience a ton of different things. Yeah. Nice. And why do you think that is? Why do you think, um, companies and, and people are, are drawn to Atlanta? Because you get... You get the um, low cost of the South. In my opinion, I think you get the co- the cost of living in the South is is, is in, in South is not as much as it's like somebody's in the West Coast and San Francisco yeah. and California and all those places. Um, so you know, and now the income is going up, so it's like your money can go further in a city like Atlanta than a lot of other places. Okay, almost sounds like it can go twice as far as it is in if 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 things yeah. are a little bit cheaper and the income's growing as well. Yeah, so I think, you know, it, it, because it's competitive to other places, um, it may not be as much as other places as far as incomes, yeah. but it allows you to, because the houses and things aren't as expensive here, and you can get more land, and it's a little yeah. more spread out, you know, like the country almost, in places. Yeah, yeah. Um, so so your own family, so we've, you, are you, you born and bred Atlanta, or did you move there? I'm actually from a place called Little Africa, South Carolina. It's a very okay. small country town. Um, I, I tell people it's, it, it was uh, actually recognized uh, about a year ago mm. as a historical place. Um, one of the first ever um, African Americans owned settlements out out of slavery, wow. um, and then families just owned it for 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 generations. I mean, it's been it's been awesome. That's um, so that's where I'm from originally. And how much 
how much does it mean to you know now we and i was talking to someone else about this and saying you know now with the the resurgence of, of black lives matter and 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 he was saying to me it's not it's never gone away it's just is now at the surface of of kind of our minds how how much does it mean to you coming from a place like that do, anything or i mean it's always meant the same thing i've always been, yeah. i mean that was just i mean you you actually have a place where you um were raised around family and you had yeah. pride for each other and you actually looked out for each other and have worries about like you know if somebody did something to you you knew where they lived at so it wasn't like <laughs> you were worried about these random people bothering you yeah, so you yeah, kind of yeah. got to live free um and as far as like you know that and relating to the black lives matter um and, you know I, i've always just had pride in, in myself period you know yeah. and i think it's interesting every time we have to have like a movement that is just like Hey, you mean the whole time people weren't? They didn't. Yeah. You guys haven't cared about us the whole time. Like it's just kind of yeah. it's weird. It's just like, yeah. man, I've been cool with everybody the whole time. I didn't know like behind the scenes you guys really didn't like us. Like, <laughs> it's, 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 I mean, when you knew that, you knew the yeah. people who didn't. But it's just it's always interesting when you know you say that, and it's just like, wow, why is it offensive that somebody's saying that? So it's yeah, yeah, and no, it's true. I know it's a very like different um, parallel, but when I was uh, you know, years and years ago, one of my bosses, uh, he was gay and we were talking about gay pride and he was like, I just don't have time for gay pride. And I was like, why? You're you're gay and it's gay pride. And he's like, yeah, but that's it. I'm gay. I'm not proud to be gay. I just am. And I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah. wow. Yeah, you know, never, you know, different things, different people. Um so your your family, you've got three kids, and what is that? Because because I've got two kids, and um, even you know my wife and I were recently like we're done at two, yeah. We're like yeah, no, definitely we're we're done at two. So how how is three? Is that just the next level of nuts? Well, three has been pretty cool. Okay, um, I have a seven year old uh, boy. Um, he's BJ. That's my that's my um, my oldest son. I have a, a four year old son uh, named Malcolm. And then I have a one-year-old daughter now named Maya. And so it has been a very, very interesting time in transitioning from having two boys. They're rough. They're best friends. They rough house all the time and all kind of stuff. And now having a girl who is like, okay, I'm here now and I'm going to boss you guys around. Yeah. But I also want to. So it's like a, it's a transition. That's for And, and I. I didn't even know um, that you had your two boys and a girl. So I've got an older son, a, a six-year-old son and uh, about 15-month-old daughter. And yeah, I, just that dynamic. And I I was very clear that I didn't want to go into, you know, gender norms and be like, right, dolls for you and stuff. And and so she, and she is, she's mean. Like she is rough. Like she is, she just wants to... <laughs> tumble and fight and stuff and like my son he's like he's up for that a bit but then he's like leave me alone now i want to go and, and do my own thing where she's just like go 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 have you, have you and well i guess my question is for me i found that quite shocking like i wasn't expecting it and i don't know how you felt when your daughter came along and, and was there anything that that surprised you well i wasn't sure how she was gonna be and okay. then she ended up being like my my middle child malcolm He's we call him Boss Baby because if you ever watched that cartoon Boss Baby, <laughs> yeah. he's that kid. Like he is Boss Baby. We've always thought of Boss Baby, and so when the daughter came, I was just like, "Yeah, she'll be cool and laid back and gentle," you know. Yeah. And then she became like Boss Baby sister, you know. She was like <laughs> the female version of Boss Baby now. So yeah. she's just. I mean, it, it has shocked me because I didn't expect. To your point, I had no idea she was going to be this wild and rough, yeah. you know. 
and she's rough with them. <laughs> yeah. Really rough with her brother. Yeah, yeah. And what does what does your eldest think about having then two boss babies? He don't care, man. And he's an awesome big brother, so he just likes nice. to be. He likes to, that role. Like he likes to have a bunch of kids who can run around after him because he's like he likes to play all day. So yeah, it's extra fun for him. He's got yeah. people going to follow him around. That's true, you know. And and so I'm just thinking seven and four. Yeah, so your age gap's a little bit closer than ours. And I think that with so my son, he was five when when his sister was born, and I think. I was a bit worried about that transition because he we're really, really close with my wife's parents. Like they live around the corner from us. They're retired. We spend a lot of time together. So for the first five years of his life, he had four adults basically taking care of him. And then this this little girl comes along and everyone's still giving him attention, but nowhere near as dedicated as it was. Um, so I was a bit worried how that was going to play out. But but thankfully, to your point, like he there's sometimes he gets really annoyed with her but i'd say 95 percent of the time he's just like a doting caring wants to be big brother which is really sweet yeah yeah and the, the change that's going to happen for you then is going to be when the when your daughter gets about three or four and then she's trying to follow him around because then it's like she can communicate yeah. and now it's more of a relationship for real because it doesn't matter if they got a bigger difference it's yeah. going to be a relationship but they're going to be in the room talking to each other all the time yeah. you know and I and I love that. And it's and it's so funny because she's she's at the point where she can now she can communicate is and not not speak, but she can get her point yeah. across to the point that he understands and they'll just chase each other around and giggle and stuff. And it's it's starting to see what could become when she's able to communicate properly. It's really nice. Oh yes. Yeah. yeah. It's gonna be it's gonna be amazing. You're gonna you're gonna be able to sit back and just watch and smile and be like, wow, they got their whole own life going on. Yeah, yeah, I might be able to have a hot cup of coffee instead of exactly. a cold one. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you know, the, the the family aside, you you said that you you're a chiropractor. Is that right? So my wife is a chiropractor. So okay. I I actually run the business. Uh, so I'm the office manager. I run all the business. I do everything. Um, all the finances. I do all you know, all the marketing, all those things like that. Yeah. And um, we run it together. So we have a uh, a principal based chiropractic office that's a uh, pretty high volume in Atlanta um we do a great job of, of of really working with our community and making sure people get better and yeah and giving a lot back and doing a lot of and stuff like that yeah 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 that's that's amazing and how how long have you but well firstly how long have you two been together but then how long have you been running this business together so we met in college and we both went to Clemson and uh I went to school there she ran track and uh so we got together in college, and we have we're just now celebrating our ten year anniversary in June. So June twenty sixth, we just celebrated ten years of uh, of marriage. So, wow. wow, how do you celebrate that yeah. in in kind of a lockdown COVID way? So we went to this. Um, it was like a, not like a resort type thing. It's just like a little a little. Uh, I'm like a little resort here in Georgia. Um, that was very, I mean, it had like, it was very low occupancy, um, very spread out. So we like rode bikes and did stuff. We weren't around people, yep. but it was just away from the home. You know, it was about an hour and a half away from Atlanta, but nice. it was enough to let us like relax and chill out together. Was that just the two of you or the five of you? It was the two of us. And then, um, we had one of our really good friends and his, um, and his girlfriend come out and meet us. 
And they came for one day with us, and me and her stayed for like two or three days. Yeah. Uh, but they came one day and, uh, and hung out with us, and you know, ate with us. So we had somebody to kind of celebrate with. Um, he's one of he's one of my kids' godfathers, so he's been yeah. there since the beginning, since the Clinton days. That sounds amazing. It sounds amazing yeah. just as something. So there's something in the UK that sounds like the equivalent, this place called Centre Parks, where you is very outdoorsy type living and there's lots of yeah, cycling, you know, there's lots of activities that you can do, um, which is really quite nice. But I think as well, just to have that, especially going from being everyone cramped up in the same place, potentially to then going away, just the two of you, that must have been amazing. Yes, yes, we were- <laughs> We have the kids all the time. And yeah. I even have my office with me in the back office with me on virtual learning. So we have been with the kids the entire time. And let's let's talk about that because um so when we went into to lockdown in the UK and the schools closed, you know, in a way we were quite lucky that my wife was on maternity leave and the maternity leave over in the UK is is pretty good. So she had a year off work. Um, and in that year, so she had both the kids while I was working from home and that was, that was hard, but it was fine. But then she went back to work again from home, but we're both trying to do that. There's, there's the kids. And we actually decided, um, for my son to take him out of school and to do home education for maybe a year to see how that kind of goes. And, yeah, I just I I want to talk to you about how the virtual learning's going, how that's going with um. So is he is is he coming to the office with you and kind of setting up laptop or iPad or whatever it is and and doing his schooling while you're working? Yeah. So what happened was when COVID initially hit, um, we were deemed essential workers. Yeah. Right. Um, the office, so the chiropractic office, never shut down at all. Okay. So we had to continue. But what happened was all three kids, their place where they were in school at, all shut down. Yeah. So I had to essentially come to the house and work with all them from the house and pretty much remote into the office hmm. from the house. My wife went in and the staff went in to serve, serve our practice members. And so I was juggling um, uh, the baby, um, the four-year-old, trying to get him ready for pre-K, and then the other one was in virtual learning. Yeah. And that happened for two months. And then for the summertime, we were able to get her in like a little five kid in-home daycare. And my other son, eventually, he stayed with us for the summer, but eventually he went back to his little uh, pre-K school, which is like 20 kids. Hmm. And now my son does exactly what you said. He comes to the office. He sets up in the morning his thing, and he does virtual learning. And me and him are in the office. Like, I'm in my desk at the office, and he's at his desk at the office. And he just works. I mean, I'm sure that he misses his friends and, you know, the social interaction of other kids, but does he also like that he gets to hang out with you and kind of be a grown up? Uh, I think he does, but my son is a social body. Okay. So my kids are very, very social people. Yeah. They are very social people. So he doesn't like not having his friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, the good thing is, is that um, we play a lot of baseball. So I coach baseball, my son's baseball team. And um, so it's a lot, he got a lot of best friends, but they still. We're getting together, you know, playing baseball and, you know, hanging out and stuff like that. So you got to see his friends, but it's not the same as being around kids no. all day. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And how have you found, you know, you talk, you talk about having the baby, the four-year-old and the seven for two months, as well as trying to remote in. How was that? It was insane. <laughs> and what I did not add in is that's when I was actually 
launching my book. I was running a Kickstarter campaign for my book that actually raised like $8,000. And I did all this at the same time. So I was like driving myself insane. I literally will stand up to like two o'clock every single morning, um, just working. Like when they go to sleep, I can actually work on the book and I would do three hours on that. And then I'll wake up and we just do it again, man. We just, I don't know. We just figured it out. I taught for 10 years. So it was just juggling, maintaining. So. Right, right. So there's a, there's a number of things I want to talk to you there on. Right. So you say you, um, you taught for 10 years. So what, what did you teach? So I taught special education. Okay. So my undergrad special ed, my master's in behavior and learning disabilities. So I've always had wild kids. Like, I had great kids, don't get me wrong. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I had, I've had some behavior kids along the way. I've had some um, self-contained autistic kids along the way. And I've just yeah. had, so I've been able to manage a lot of kids at one time. So getting my own was crazy, but it wasn't something that I personally wasn't accustomed to doing. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. So that, that makes sense. And then you, so what's the book about? It's a kid's book, but but what what about? So I have a children's book that I released called How Angels Are Made. And basically it's a journey of understanding grief and love through the eyes of a child. So um, it's a book that talks about, works with families on understanding about death and grief. Okay. Um, when my mother died, my mother died four years ago uh, with stomach cancer. And me and my wife did a wonderful job of like communicating with him about that process. Mm-hmm. And uh, two days after her funeral, I actually wrote a book that was this book that I just released. And I sat on it for four years and um, I released it. And like I said, it's, it's just an awesome story where it helps kids understand, like, you'll see the journey of my mother and my son's relationship, her kind of getting sick and him not being able to see her passing, us talking to him, him going to the funeral, saying goodbye to her. And then, of course, him and his mom having a, a wrap up conversation. Just helping him understand that, like, your grandmother is now Angel. And it really does a good job of helping, you know, any parent have a conversation about grief and, grief and death. So that, that sounds amazing. And, and you said you've, you've done a Kickstarter. Uh, it's, I, I'm assuming it's funded with $8,000. So when, it went, do you know when the, the book, when you're planning to release? Oh, I've already released it. So I've released oh. it. It got here it got here in August. So I was working on that during the beginning of COVID. That's what oh, I'm saying. I was doing all that stuff during the middle of COVID. Like my, my wife would get home. I would go to the office and record some videos, edit those videos for the Kickstarter and different promotional stuff. And then, you know, it all ended. Like I did my Kickstarter um, and it ended actually on my mother's birthday. No, it wow. ended a week after my mother's birthday. I actually hit my Kickstarter goal on my mother's birthday. Wow. And so yeah. where, where, where could people, so I guess what, what's the book called and where can people buy it? So the book is called How Angels Are Made. Yeah. Um, and you can get it on my website, which is howangelsaremade.com. Okay. Um, I know if you're in America, it's easy for me to ship it out there. Um, I'm working on getting my, um, getting it on Amazon. I just had, I got really high quality books printed um, so that I could send out in America. And I think I'm going to have to go through Amazon or somebody to at least have yeah. the access to get copies so, over, so they can, it can become overseas. Yeah, that's really cool. I'll make sure because I know that um, I think it's about 30% of people who listen to this podcast are, are from the US. So I'll definitely make sure to include that link uh, as well. And I'll definitely, yeah, want to check that out. That sounds really cool. And yeah, man. Yeah. Just, and just on the Kickstarter, how, 
how did you go about setting the goal? And because uh, there's kind of two questions I have on this, which is how did you go about creating that campaign and just having that drive to, you know, go and make it happen? But then how did you do that with everything else that was going on and not just get swallowed up by life? What I want, what I, when I decided I was going to do a Kickstarter, I originally was just going to pay for it. Okay. And I had um, one of my branding coaches, uh, she was just like, hey, you should try to do a, fun, a crowd raising or something like that. So I was just like, well, I'll look into it. And once I looked into it, it was just like, wow, okay, people can pre-order basically. Mm-hmm. And I went and spent two or three days researching Kickstarter. So I just really looked at every YouTube I could find. I started looking at people who were successful at it. I didn't look at anybody who failed because I didn't care what they did when they failed. I just needed to know <laughs> what did the successful people do. So I really just watched a bunch of videos. Um, and then the next thing I did was um started recording videos of myself like talking about the book and this is gonna sound weird dan but i went and then studied uh adobe premiere so that i could edit my own videos because i didn't want to spend any money i was cheap for sure and, um, i just edited all the videos and just started putting it out there man i, I got a, a really awesome um like i said village of people and network of people and um they really did a good job of, of like taking care of me man I, I sent out text messages to my friends and stuff and I would send it out and I would get like a response, you know, an hour later, done. They've already bought and they've like donated a hundred dollars, you know? Wow. And it was just, it was, it was a, it was a humbling um, experience, but it was also a motivational experience to know that like, oh, I got people who really like, they're friends, but they're not just friends in theory, like they're friends because they're yeah, supporting yeah, yeah. and they want to do well and they, they trust that I'm going to deliver a product that's going to be worth their dollars, not just put some random material out there so i i again i, I gotta figure out a way i'm gonna send you one day and that's what i'm gonna do i'm gonna send you <laughs> family uh, uh so i appreciate we get that one, i want to make sure you guys have one thank um, you because for me it's the message that's the most important because we all have to deal with death and grief yeah yeah it's it's so true and i think even even with you know covid that's going on and i have to explain to my son things like we can't go and see uh, so his great nan so my wife's nan is in a care home we can't go see her right now um you know my parents they live in another part of the country we can't go see them right now and whilst yeah. it's not the same as of grief of loss it's still everyone's lost something whether that be you've actually lost a person or you've just lost the ability to go to a shop when you want to and i think that there's a there's a whole spectrum of of grief and anything that helps particularly with kids get that message across has to be a positive thing yeah absolutely yeah. absolutely agree and and you know if, if if you find a way of, of of getting the book to me i have some uh career dad mugs so i'll have to ship one to you so we'll, yes. we'll, we'll... I'll, send, I'll send it over i'll send some to the uk um it's just for some reason i don't know why we're getting taxed so much i don't know if it's the policies or what it's just like man why is it so expensive for us to ship i know yeah stuff is going over all the time man yeah <laughs> yeah so then the, the just the second part of that was how did you like you say you you're you're your office manager for the chiropractor you're you're kind of sounds like you're running the house as well like you know do home kids and then on top of that doing the book like doing the kickstarter and not just you know not just putting a kickstarter together and you know sending out some text but learning adobe learning like how how did you yeah how did you just what made you carry on 
man, Dan, we have 24 hours. You can get as much done in 24 hours as you can put your mind towards doing them. So for me, my the office is important. That's my wife's baby. She loves that. And, and you know, my thing when we went out to business together was I told her, like, we're going to make sure you have the best chiropractic office that we possibly can get. Mm-hmm. So I know I have that commitment to her. And um, she's amazing at what she does. So she really held down the fort at the office like uh, none other. So she did a absolutely phenomenal job of holding down the office when I was away. Um, so I just had to do minimal work because she was doing a ton. She took on a lot of that, that brunt. Um, with the kids, the first couple of weeks, it was kind of chaos. Afterwards, I just got into a routine. I'm a very routine-oriented person, so I knew what we were doing at every single moment. And I put the boys to work in. I got the baby on a routine, so I knew what time I was going to feed her, put her to sleep. We would start writing out what time we were going to eat and what we were going to eat. So that way, it was just simple for me to be able to just execute a plan as opposed to it always being chaos. Um, and then when my wife got home, she did a lot with the kids. And um, whenever she and the kids went to sleep, you know, 10, 11 o'clock, she sleep. I just would put in my three or four hours at yeah. night when everybody yeah. sleep. I would just in work. So that that sounds quite similar. Well, sort of similar to to with me and, and career dad in that I have a day job as well. I kind of do that. And then when that finishes, I'd be family dad, family guy. And then when everyone's gone to bed, work on career dad stuff, whether it be podcasting, writing articles, doing website bits or promo bits, all of that stuff. And yeah, that can go on till the early hours of the morning. I find that if I can do that for maybe, you know, seven to 10 days, and then I need like, I need an early night or I need a late morning uh, just to reboost. And I don't know, I, I kind of get the impression that you, you're kind of more of a machine. You'll just keep going. Or do you have to have those circuit breaks? So I, I, I can go for a little while. Okay. And then I, like, <laughs> okay. I crash like major, like I'm almost at a crash right now, Dan, to be honest with you, because the book came out in August. I had to ship, I've shipped out over probably six, 700 books. Wow. And like, I had, I had, have been going so hard with the marketing and all this stuff like that. And now I just feel like my wings are just crashing and burning. And I just need, like, I need, I, t- I just told my wife, like, I was in creative mode for months. Yeah. And now I think I just need to read books because what I'll do is I'll go through creative modes and then intake modes where I think I'm just going to, like, sit back, read books, get my mind, not thinking about all the stuff I have, just let it all go to the side for like a, you know, a week or so. I'll just yeah. maybe not try to even sell any books, not do anything because it's not like I got to do it right now or the book's going somewhere. I need to yeah. like spend my time re- rebooting so that I'm yeah. not burning the candle at both ends. When you, when you go through that process, because I find it really hard to say, do you know what? I'm just going to take a step back and I'm going to have a couple of days. It's almost like a rebooting the laptop, right? Which, you know, you know, the memory in the laptop gets fried. You need to reboot it to clear that memory and then it will run faster once you've restarted it. And I guess our bodies are kind of the same. And I, yeah. I, I, I get that, but I find it so hard to go, yeah, I'm not, I'm going to have some time, some downtime for a few days. Cause I sit there thinking, I should be doing this. I should be doing this. So how do you get into that space? Or is it that you have such a, a set list of things to accomplish that once you've accomplished them, it then allows you to go into that space before starting the new list? So it's the second. It's okay. the second. So I always have a, I always, um, I'm going to give you a weird thing about me, Dan. It's going to sure. sound, 
gonna make me seem like a weird not maybe not weird but clean up. But um, so last year, I actually went with one of my accountability partners to New York, and it was before New Year's, the weekend before New Year's, and we took three days and we planned out our whole year. Wow! So I planned out my I planned out the next five years for myself, and um, I knew what I needed to accomplish for this year. Um, so when I do that, I break it down into like five year, three year, one year, six month, three month, one month, like where I need to be. So I set the goals for myself. Once I hit them, I don't keep pressure myself. Like I just, I relax. It's like, all right, I got it done. I can relax. I don't put a lot of pressure on myself. because It's a marathon. It's not a race. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no race at all in anything that we're doing. So it, it kind of allows me to know I've checked off all these things and now I'm just going this way. It sounds terrifying and amazing to have a five year, like such a detailed plan. How how adaptable is that? When you know, if you get eighteen months in and you're like, shoot, yeah, adaptable. Yeah, because I, because I'm not I'm not I'm not necessarily saying I, I can't change it because I'll do it every year. Yeah. But what it does is it gives me a roadmap of like where are you really trying to go? Like I just need to know like when you're starting out and you're like let's say if you're going on a vacation, right? Yeah. The best trips that you're going to take are the ones where you say, all right, I know where this good attraction is, that good attraction is. We can't miss that. We got to do this. We got to do that. These are the things we really, really think we'll enjoy. And you plan it out before you get there, as opposed to when you get there, you're now trying to figure out what you want to do. And you're spending the whole vacation trying to figure out, like, oh, what do we need to go next? What's the best thing? What do we want to eat at? As opposed to saying, oh, man, I looked at this online and this was exactly what I wanted to eat. And that is exactly as good as I thought it was. By looking at the pictures on on the on the advertisement online, so um, I just like to know where I'm going because That's then I can really I can just I can, I can just execute, man. Execution yeah. is so much easier than planning. I think it's hard, yeah. man. I think, you know, that's really interesting because I'm definitely more of a let's rock up and see what where looks good as opposed to looking online. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm thinking, how do I do this? And yeah, I, I don't know, maybe for me, it's more baby steps of, you know, planning half the vacation and freewheeling the other half or, you know, something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so what's next for you? So, um, I have, so, um, I have some stuff planned out. So with number one, with my book, um, I have wrote a, or I'm working on an accompanying, two accompanying books. One is called A Journal of Angels, and it's an interactive book for kids. It walks them through the different grief stages. It'll have some of my stories in it that I've dealt with from grief. And then I also have a section at the end where they'll actually be able to have a, um, a tab for anybody who passes in their life. So that way they'll be able to like put a collage with them and that person. Um, they'll be able to put like, what are their biggest memories? What did they learn? They'll be able to write like a, a letter to that person. So that way they can carry on those raw memories forever. So they could give it to their grandkids or their kids and say, Hey, this is when your grandmother passed or your great grandmother passed. This is our pictures together. This was what me and her went through together. So that those type of stories don't die when that person dies and it can kind of live forever. Um, and then there's an accompanying thing that's called guiding the journey. That's for the adults that helps adults walk them through the children's book and the journal. Um, because a lot of times what happens with adults is we have a rough time explaining it to kids because we're grieving ourselves. Yeah. And we're not all just prepared to be able to handle that conversation. So I just I'm, I'm putting together something that just is a ready made kit for parents um, and or social workers or therapists at school to be able to have a better hold and grips of the conversation when it comes to death and grief and not be something that we're all terrified of. 
Yeah. That both of those things. I really like the idea of an interactive book that is, you know, you're you're reading through a story or you're learning kind of a neutral story, but there's also a space to put your own story in there as well. I think that's really cool. I got two books, man. I got two more books that are coming out in 2021 that are actually kids' books again. Um, Big Brother University, uh, which will be like my son, both my sons, my older son preparing my younger son for my daughter to be here. So he's going to wow. like walk him through the rope to come with Big Brother. And then the other one is going to be uh, Princess Maya is here. So <laughs> it's going to have uh, the baby girl on the scene, Boston, and them trying to figure out how to maneuver through having a new baby sister. That's so. awesome. I mean, you're, is this is this part, I mean, it must be part of your five-year plan in some way, but how big a part of, of the, it, sorry, how big a part are the stories in your five-year plan? Um, They're a, they're a, uh, it's on the personal portion of it, of, of like personal accomplishments I want to do. Um, because for me, it's not about the books. It's about like the impact um, okay. and how to do it. Uh, and, you know, I, and, and also being, you know, being African-American, man, I, I, there are not a lot of books that I, I can buy that have some of these stories in them yeah. that my kids will look like them. So I, I also want to make sure that we have, um, you know, a genre of books about, you know, black families um, so that they can people can see that, you know, as, as we look at that and in, in, in especially in America mm. and other places. Yeah. Now, it's really interesting that you say that it's part of your personal development, because I, I, I can see almost like a business empire growing out of this. But but that's not your reason for doing it's for just helping. Yeah, now I, I, I am. I do. I, I am very <laughs> astute with business. So I, that is a part of it. That's not why sure. I'm doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, that, you know, I'm going to make sure that the business is ran good because that's just. I mean, I run a business now, so I'm going to make sure yeah. that part is done well. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, for me, it's like um, the guys who make Sesame Street, yeah. they probably love the money and everything like that. But I'm pretty sure that they love changing the lives of little kids around the world. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think if you go into business trying, if you if you, the foundation of your business is to make money, first and foremost, it might work. But how much love and passion are you going to feed into it versus doing something that you know is helping people and changing people and it makes money as well then that's that's pretty cool yeah yeah yes yeah. so the the final thing that i wanted to ask you was um around parenting advice what what is the best piece of parenting advice that you've either received or that you would give to someone every kid is different and treat that kid accordingly so for me I'm learning now that I'm going to let my kids do whatever it is that that one wants to do. And I'm not going to put boundaries that they need to be the same. They need to learn the same. If I found out that one of my kids need to be homeschooled, one of them need to be at uh, public school and one of them need to be private school, they will be in three different types of schools yeah. because it matters about growing them because I'm not trying to grow good kids, right? I'm trying to grow good adults. And that's how I'm approaching my parenthood is that I'm not trying to grow good kids who sit down and are, and are you know, just I'm trying to grow good adults who are good human beings and mm-hmm. contribute to the world. when I'm home. Um, And that's just my biggest thing. Treat your kids as if you want them to be as adults. And sometimes you're going to have to be the parent all the time, actually. Um, but, you know, have the end in mind of like, hey, I want my kid. And that shouldn't be based off of education, those things either. 
which is like, I just want my kid to be a doctor. I'm like, no, that kid should be whatever they want to be. That's going to make them happy and make them productive in life. Yeah. I love that. And I, I really love that's definitely going to be a quote of, you know, you're not raising kids, you're raising adults. I love that. I think it's so powerful. Yeah. 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 Uh, Bryson, thank you so, so much for spending some time with me. It's been really great speaking with you and just best of luck for everything that you're doing. Appreciate it, man. And this is, like I said, this was, this was really cool. When I saw your uh, podcast, I thought that it would be a, uh, a great idea and a great show and all those things like that. So I really wanted to make sure that, you know, we had a, um, we had a good conversation um, with the podcast. So I really appreciate you having me on. Um, I look forward to uh, seeing, you know, some, some things with the Career Dad show. And, um, you know, overall, I, I appreciate it, man. No, thank you. Likewise. That's all we've got time for this week. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Career Dad show. If you did, have you got 10 seconds to rate the podcast? Maybe you've got 20 and can write a review. I appreciate all of you guys for listening. See you next week. Stay cool, be kind.